0: The lesson I'll be using tonight is entitled, Why I Want to Go to Heaven. And this lesson is not entirely my own. I have uh, put my own spin on it and added things to it. But this lesson originally comes from my great-uncle Mac, who we recently had helped a couple months back move out of assisted living, and uh, he left us a couple of his sermons. He was a preacher for many years, and so uh, he left us a bunch of sermons that I went through, and I had settled on this because I thought it would be interesting to Look at some of the reasons that we should look forward to heaven. Because ultimately, that is our goal as Christians, is to get to heaven. So, our first point tonight will be that the devil won't be there. Have you ever thought, have you ever had a thought or a desire to do something that you shouldn't do? A little voice in your head that says, that won't hurt anything, it'll be fine, it'll be fun. Well, more than likely, that's the devil. But who exactly is the devil? Well, we learned some about him in Revelation 12, verses 7 through 9. It's revolution. Revelation 12, 7 through 9. Those verses tell us that, And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought. But they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old, called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast out to the earth, and the angels were cast out with him. His angels were cast out with him. We can see from this verse that the devil was a being that was once in heaven with God. But he decided to rebel against him and was ultimately cast out of heaven into hell. We can see this thought echoed in Revelation 20, verse 10. And that verse reads, The devil, who deceived them, was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. So the devil is in eternal torment in hell. And he wants to bring as many of us with him as he can. He wants us to sin and to rebel God much like he did. 1 Peter 5 and 8 warns us against this. That verse tells us, be sober, be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. So, on this earth, he tries to tempt us and tries to get us to sin against God and join him in eternal torment. Now, I don't know about you, but hell certainly doesn't sound like a place that I want to end up. Of course, there's the fire and brimstone and eternal torment, but for me, those things pale in comparison to the worst part about hell, the fact that we're there forever and we are eternally separated from God, our creator. We never can come into contact with him at all ever again. And to me, that sounds like the biggest suffering of all. But, in turn, there is an analog of that where in heaven, we will no longer have to put up with Satan. There will no longer be that little voice in us telling us to do things we know we shouldn't. We won't be tempted by sin any longer, and sin won't be a thing that can exist in any capacity in heaven. And that brings me to my second point tonight, that the ungodly and the wicked will not be in heaven. Sometimes in this life, it's not even the devil who tempts us most. It's fellow people, whether it be co-workers or classmates. Sometimes it's even our own family. Sometimes they're the ones saying, hey, take, drink this beer, this alcohol, you know, go to this party you shouldn't go to. Whatever it may be, they also tempt us as they have been tempted. The world in general doesn't live a godly life. And it looks as us like we're strange for not doing what they do. They don't see us as normal. But 2 Thessalonians 1, 7-9 tells us some about that. Those verses read. <clears throat> and to give... You who are troubled rest with us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels and flaming fire taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. These shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. These people, much like Satan, will be punished and won't make it into heaven. And we can see this again in Revelation 20, verse 15. It's Revelation 20 and verse 15. And that verse reads, And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So heaven will be a place where there's no more people like that. There's no more ungodly people. It'll only be us Christians and God himself. I know recently... um, Church camp happened and I'm in a a weird place right now where I'm too old to be a camper but too young to be a counselor. So unfortunately I missed that this year but church camp is one of my favorite places because of the fact that once you're there, you kind of forget about the world. You forget about all the sin and the crazy things that go on. And I think that's how heaven will be. That's kind of a little glimpse of heaven I feel like. You're there with like-minded Christians and you really feel close to God. But once we get to heaven, that's how we'll be forever. Next, we'll talk about how there will be no sin in heaven. We've already kind of covered how the ungodly people and Satan himself won't be there, but naturally, naturally, that means that there will be no sin there. Revelation 21 and 27 tells us that, but there shall be... There shall by no means enter it anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. We, God cannot look upon sin. He sees it as an abomination. So naturally, we can't take those things with us to heaven. We can't get into heaven if we have those. But that means that once we get to heaven, there's no more sin ever. We are... We are not perfect in the sense that we're like God, but we are perfect in the way that we no longer have sin in our lives. Our next point is that all the things that cause us to suffer in life will be passed away. They will be no more. To me, and I'm sure everyone else, it seems like the past few years, there's been a lot of suffering and a lot of hard times. There's been, of course, COVID. There's been plenty of political issues. And there's been a lot of death and just various other things that, that can toil on you. They can build up and get you down. <clears throat> but um, in heaven, that won't be how things are. Revelation 21 and 4 tells us some about that. That verse reads, And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. We won't have to worry about the troubles of the world anymore. We won't have to worry about becoming sick or losing loved ones or if we'll be able to meet rent or whatever it may be. We'll be able to live comfortably and not have a worry in the world. Revelation 14 and 13 tells us more about that. That verse reads, Then I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, Right, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, that you may rest from their labors and their works. Follow them. You know, to a lot of people, death is kind of scary. But when we're in Christ and we're following him, it, it's not anything scary. It's merely an end to one chapter of our existence. We move on from this world where we suffer and struggle, and we move on to our next existence where we don't. We no longer have to worry about anything. And that leads us to our next point, that Christ and God will be there. Revelation 21 and 3 tells us that. That verse says, And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be there, be with them and will be their God. Throughout history, God's appeared to people in different ways. Uh, at the beginning of time, he roamed with man in the Garden of Eden. Our existence was meant to be shared with God. We were supposed to be able to interact physically with God and be around him. And for a time, that's how things were. Adam and Eve uh, interacted with God and were with him, walked with him, the Bible says. But eventually, they decided to rebel against him. and They sinned, thus bringing into the world death and separation from God. Um, Of course, throughout the Old Testament, we see man is still in contact with God more so than we are now in a physical sense. He comes to people in visions and speaks to them directly even. Um, And of course, in the New Testament, we see him interacting with people through Jesus. Now, today we don't really have that so much. You know, We don't have a physical person or, or God physically talking to us directly, but we can talk to him through prayer and we have his word, the Bible, where we can see his commandments for us. But once we get to heaven, we will be reunited with him and we'll walk with him again and we'll be with him eternally. <clears throat> and we can learn more about that in Revelation 7, verses 15 through 17. And those verses read, Therefore, they are before the throne of God, and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will dwell among them. They shall neither hunger anymore, nor thirst anymore. The sun shall not strike them, nor any heat. For the Lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them and lead them to the living fountain of waters, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. So again, we don't have any need like we do here on earth. We don't need to eat, we don't need to drink, we don't need anything of that nature. God takes care of us, and he takes care of us directly, and we are with him around his throne. That leads us to our next point of heaven being eternal. Everything in this life is temporary. It changes. And I, for one, have never been too particularly fond of change. As a matter of fact, an example of that is that when my sister Lily was born, before then... I, of course, was an only child, and so we had pictures of me on the wall. We had, I believe, three pictures just of me. But whenever Lily came along, uh, those pictures were replaced, some of them were, to where it was a picture of me, a picture of Lily, and then a picture of the both of us. Well, me and my little child brain thought it would be a good idea that uh, I should just take those pictures out and put back the ones that were there. Um... Not because I didn't like Lily, but because I didn't like change. It was different. It was something that was not the way that it was previously. A more recent change in my life is me going to college. You know, I have, I've had to learn how to balance my school life and my other responsibilities and how to become a more responsible person. Um, but the point is with all these things is that everything on Earth changes. It doesn't stay the same. Many things fade away. Um, but heaven isn't like that. It's eternal. It's forever. The concept of time doesn't exist any longer. And we can see this in 2 Peter 1.11. That's 2 Peter 1.11. <clears throat> And that verse reads, "For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ." This, kingdom, or this, this verse tells us that unlike the kingdoms here on earth that come and go, God's kingdom, Christ's kingdom, is forever, will be there forever, and it will never be destroyed, it'll never fade away." We can also see this in Romans 6 and 23. That verse tells us, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life, in Christ Jesus our Lord. So if we sin, we are punished with death and eternal torment and separation from God. But if we follow Jesus and do what he asked of us, we are rewarded with an eternal life with him. And then that brings us to our scripture reading from tonight, 2 Corinthians That we heard earlier. And that verse again reads For we know that if our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in heaven, in the heavens. As I've said before, earlier, everything in this life is temporary. Friends may come and go, we may change jobs and have to move away from our previous homes, and eventually we end up leaving this life even. But what I'd like to focus on in this specific verse is the aspect of our homes, our houses, our dwellings. These especially are temporary places. We inhabit them while we're here on earth, but whenever we die, they don't come with us. We leave them to someone else, whether it be our children or whoever it may be, but eventually they'll get rid of them, they die, they move on, and eventually these houses will fall. They all crumbled. They fade away. Um, an example I can think of of this on a greater scale is uh, countries, even countries come and go throughout history. One country that comes to mind is, and one like nation that comes to mind is the great Roman empire. That was a nation that went on for a really long time and they had, they were a major world superpower and people thought they were unstoppable but eventually it too fell and was left behind. But that's not how, but God's telling us here not to focus on these earthly things. He's telling us not, not to have that be what we're going after. We shouldn't aim for having the biggest house we can or, or anything like that. We should put our treasures in heaven, and he's telling us that even if we're stripped of these things, and even if they get destroyed in our lifetime, it doesn't matter, because ultimately when we do leave this life, we have a home with him in heaven. We can see these things reiterated on in 1 John 2 and 25. And that verse reads, and this is the promise that he has promised us, eternal life. Now God's not one to lie. We're told, as we learned today, that he's not the author of confusion, which is mentioned in 1 Corinthians 14:33. So if he promises eternal life, Then we know that he means it. So heaven truly is eternal. That brings us to our last point of heaven being a place that is prepared for us. Let's take a look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 15. Hebrews eleven fifteen <clears throat> And truly if they called to mind that country from which they had come out would they would have I don't think that's the right verse. Um let's see. Oh, I'm sorry. Hebrews eleven sixteen. But now they desire a better a better a better that is a heavenly country. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. We humans tend to have a the grass is greener on the other side type of view of life. We'll say, well, I'm not happy right now for whatever reason it may be, so maybe I need to buy a better car. Maybe that'll make me happy. Well, you buy that better car and then you're still not happy. So you say, well, maybe it's my house that's not making me happy. I better buy a better one of that. Well, you still end up not happy and you repeat the cycle, so on and so forth. And we can see this on a bigger scale, again, with countries and bigger dwellings of groups of people. And we don't need to look far f- for this. We can only look we only need to look as far as our own country for this. You know, when this country was founded, it was part of the reason it was founded it was because our our the people who founded it were being persecuted in a sense and didn't have the religious freedom that they wished they had in England. So they ran away from it, came over here and made their own place where they could have those freedoms. But, you look at us now, a couple hundred years later almost, and we are more and more becoming like the very thing that we ran away to begin with. And the reason behind that is because we're human. Anywhere that us humans go, any, any society or nation or whatever we assemble, while it may be good for a while, it will eventually crumble and fall and become distorted because of the very fact that we are human and that we are flawed. We can never make something truly perfect. But God can, and that's exactly what heaven is. <clears throat> it's easy to get caught up in the crazy things that are happening in the world and to wish that we could go somewhere better without the craziness of the world. You know, uh, A lot of times I'll hear of, of different things happening in this country, and I'll be like, man, can't all these crazy people just go somewhere else or us go somewhere else or something, you know, like... Can we just sort something out here? But like I said, that can't happen because while we may have a good place for a little while, eventually somebody will get an idea that clashes with somebody else and we'll end up doing the same thing over and over again. But again, the place that we're looking for, even though we may not think it's here on earth, it's heaven. That's what we're looking for. It's not a place on earth. We can see this again in John 14, verses 1 through 4. It's so John 14, 1 through 4. <clears throat> and this says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. What we're being told here by Jesus is that that place we're looking for here on earth, that place where there isn't crazy people, there's not bad things going on, there's no sin, whatever it may be, that place is heaven, and that Him and God are actively preparing that place for us. Again, if we look back to the beginning of time with the Garden of Eden, that was a place that was meant to be perfect for man. That was a place that God created where he was supposed to be able to walk hand in hand with man. Man didn't have to worry about anything. We had all the food we'd want. We had it easy. We didn't have to work, whatever. We had a perfect life, pretty much. Well, that's what God is making for us now. He's making us a perfect place in heaven that we are called to go to. And for me, I can't... Well, (laughs) um, we're looking to go to this place in heaven. And this is a place, again, that God himself is making for us. And I can't think of a better place and a better person to make us a place than God. So I can't think of a better place to be than heaven. So now that we've gone over why we should want to go to heaven, you may find, find yourself asking, how do I get there? Well, as we saw in, in Brother Bobby's lesson today, there's a lot of misinformation regarding the Bible. And uh, I actually Googled today, how do I get to heaven? And what that ended up telling me was, you enter heaven by forgiveness and the righteousness that Jesus gives you. By grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. And while it's true that we get to heaven through Jesus, it's what they're telling you is only part of the story. If we look to the Bible instead of Google or man or whoever we may ask, it will tell us otherwise. First, we must hear the word, which comes from Romans 10.14. Second, we must believe that the word is true in Romans 10.10. And third, we must repent of our sins, Luke 13, 3-5. And fourth, we must confess those sins, Matthew 10, 32, and finally we must be baptized into Christ, Romans 6, 4, and continue to live faithfully. <clears throat> so tonight, maybe you've been living a life of sin and you wish to repent and be baptized. Maybe you've been baptized and you've fallen away from the church. Or maybe you just need prayers of encouragement from the church. Whatever you need may be tonight, please come together as we stand and sing.